Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying reading and listening. I am going a little bit out of my scope today. I'm really excited about this. This one, you'll get a, a dose of pure, unadulterated curiosity. I am primarily in the rock and roll industry, and I branch out into the, uh, the, the corporate world and television occasionally. One of the avenues that I have never explored in my professional career or on the podcast is going into the house of worship. And I recently had a, a, a very interesting podcast with Danielle Edwards, and she kind of gave me a, a small dose, but uh, she and a couple other people encouraged me to go a little bit deeper. So I went looking online, and I found some a few people that are thriving in the house of worship industry, and I hope that you all enjoy this embarkment on a new, on a new avenue with me. So today I have a very special guest, as somebody who I've never met before, and I'm or I only know him online. I got to see a lot of his pictures on Instagram and uh, elsewhere. So thank you, uh, Griffin McCravey, for embarking with me today. Griffin McCravey is the lighting designer and lighting director at Church of the Highlands in Alabama. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'll be full disclosure with you. In the rock and roll world, occasionally I will be running lights. And uh, this has happened on two occasions now where somebody had to bail and then we had a new person running media. And I, and I didn't know them. And I, these were fairly high profile gigs. And I'm like, well, how, do, how is this? How are you here? Like, I don't, I've never met you. I don't know your reputation. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been, I just came up from the church uh industry uh, that's not the right term but and i'm like how do you you're running like 20 green hippos and uh on an <laughs> ma3 right now how is that what your church has like yeah yeah this is uh this is not normal they're not unnormal uncommon yeah I'm like, this is this is something totally out of my scope is this is this normal are churches that high tech nowadays yeah, uh, well, I, it's interesting. I grew up in a church of fluorescent lights, uh, so I guess to answer your question, mine was not. <laughs> <laughs> the churches um, when I was a kid were not. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the church, just like uh, everyone else, is trying to evolve and trying to learn, grow, and stay relevant. Right? I think that's uh, true for all of us. Um, for the church, um, I can't speak for the church as a whole, but I think the majority of churches are realizing that they are at a at a cusp where they're having to either you know, revolutionize, change, innovate, or get left behind, to, to put it bluntly, you know, to stay relevant. And so I'm at a church, which, you know, it's one of the, one of the larger ones in the country that we have decided that we're going to innovate. We're going to not question, as a church staff, I'm not going to question the goal of the church, which is, you know, to reach out to the lost, to help the broken, help the needy. But why not explore any way in which to do it? Which for me in my, you know, in my passion, my gifting is uh, in technology. Yeah. Uh, production value does have a value and it does add value to any message that is part of what we do in rock and roll and church and, and lighting in general is we're just amplifying whatever message is being portrayed. Sure. So if your gift is to amplify messages and it sounds like you're doing it in the right venue. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got, you know, several friends that I grew up kind of in a theatrical background in high school. That was my first real kind of taste of, you know, what live production could look like. And I've got a lot of, you know, theater buddies from high school and early college days who, you know, have gone off on the touring side and we still, you know, all sit down and, you know, 
at the end of the day, our conversation goes to, we're all amplifying a message. It might be, a, you know, a different message, whether it's a Eric church concert or whether it's a Sunday service here at, uh, at Highlands, but uh, we're all just amplifying a message. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go into that a little bit more. How did you first get interested into theater and then eventually technology? Yeah, it was really just, it was a, it was a path of opportunity. I, um, from an early age tech things, which for me, that really, the only thing I knew of was a soundboard, um, really kind of caught my eye at an early age. And so, um, grew up in a very small church, you know, a little Yamaha analog mixer and, uh, a little handheld, you know, a little handheld camera on a little cheap little radio shack tripod to just have some type of video recording. And so I really mainly started out, um, learning audio because that was really the only main thing around and then uh, I use that term loosely please do not ask me to come mix something and then uh, just tracking you know a pastor with a camera uh, nothing fancy at all um, that was kind of my first taste um, and it was where I kind of got I kind of got bit by like live entertainment live production really wanted to learn more um, so fast forward to high school I happened to be at a high school that had a fairly well known from a state perspective um, you know, theatrical program, they would, you know, go and compete in different competitions and things like that. And so I um, really kind of went down the audio path for about two years um, and enjoyed it, still enjoy it. Every once in a while, I'll, we'll have a, you know, small little student service or something, and I'll hop on an audio console just to kind of scratch an itch. Um, but I really enjoyed the audio path, but um, it was me and a buddy of mine, we had been at it for about two years, me and audio, him and lighting. And I was getting burnt out, getting tired of it. He was getting burnt out, getting tired of it. And we were both liking what the other one was doing more than the guy who was doing it. So about two years into it, me and the guy who were kind of running all things audio and lighting for our theater department just swapped. I mean, like just one day, didn't tell anybody and just swapped. Start, started doing the other person's thing. And the saddest part is we got more compliments for doing the other thing. I was like, <laughs> well, well, maybe that was the right decision to just go ahead and swap. Um, so it was about my, about my sophomore year of high school, um, kind of really started to dive into lighting. It was very simple, American DJ on a computer software, couple of moving lights. Um, it really, for me, what I, looking back, what I enjoyed about it was that I felt like it helped set lighting fundamentals and lighting basics. I guess some people might disagree with me, but almost from not having much, not, not having like real flashy, trashy stuff. Like I had to learn how to do it well, cause I didn't have much to do it with right. quite honestly. Um, and so that was kind of the, the high school experience. Fast forward to the end of high school. Um, I was like, Oh my God, I'm about to like have to be an adult and get a job or go to college. What do I do? Um, I get lots of questions since I'm on the younger side, I get lots of questions from people who really aren't that much younger than me who are like, you know, Hey, I'm getting ready to go into college. What do I do? Is college important? Is college not important? And I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer the question, but for me, I wanted to have something to fall back on. Um, but I wasn't in a place where I could, you know, invest in something like a full cell university or something like that. I really just couldn't see myself spending the money to get out, get out of it what I thought I needed. Um, and so I really was just a sucker for an opportunity and ended up hearing about a college in Birmingham called Highlands College. Um, and from that, um, it's actually out of the church I'm now employed at, Church of the Highlands. Um, so it, it, it at its core is actually meant to launch pastors into the world to, you know, start churches, build churches, etc. A small portion of that actually has a technological vein to it because even as a college, they realize that, okay, churches need to innovate. Churches need to grow. Churches need to change. It doesn't need to, the church doesn't need to look like what it looked like 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so really for no other reason than that it was a, a, a two-year program and B, a lot cheaper than a lot of other college options. I just kind of dove off the deep end. Um, took every opportunity I could. Now, to give you some context, this is a church of about, um, well, you know, COVID has changed everything. But pre-COVID, this was a church that was seeing about 50,000 people a weekend, over 20 locations. Um, so there's, wow. a main, there's a main location that broadcasts out the message. Every campus has individual worship. So every campus has a full rig, since we're mainly dealing with lighting today. Every campus has a full lighting rig, full audio rig. Um, they're doing a full immersive worship experience, and then they're streaming a message from me here at the main campus. 
Um, and so it gave me an interesting opportunity where I could be in an environment that had honestly a, a fairly well immersed technical knowledge and technical experience and still kind of do it within a church. I grew up, grew up in church. Um, and so it was just kind of a, it was kind of a safe, but interesting option for me. And honestly, I was just kind of looking for open doors. I don't think, you know, we get asked so often, like, how did you get started? You know, how do I get where you are? Yada, yada, yada. I, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I really just took opportunity when opportunity came up. Um, it's how I got my first job in a little mom and pop production studio where I lived in Coleman. Um, and it's really honestly where I am today is just kind of taking opportunity. Right on. That uh, it sounds like you're very willing to explore whatever is presented to you. Um, so let's get into the, the technical side just a little bit so that we can uh, kind of fill people in. You are, there's one pastor and that pastor requires a sound guy, a lighting guy, video director, and it sounds like a streaming director as well. How yes, big is yeah. your tech team? So um, it's kind of split up between what we call central and campus. So okay. every campus has a full-time person that has a little bit of knowledge in audio, video, and lighting. Okay. Their job is to basically make sure everything is good to go for the weekend and to build teams. Then we use a volunteer we use volunteers, just people who go through our membership class here at the church and join the team. And it's people who realize, you know, that they might enjoy doing production. They don't do it in full time. All of them have, you know, some other type of day job, quote unquote. Um, but we just use teams to pull off weekend services. So there's a full time person to handle audio, video, lighting at every campus. They're really just building that team, mentoring that team kind of handling like the week to week, like, you know, paperwork quote side of things. Okay. At the main campus where I am, um, we have myself who's lighting director. Um, I've got a lighting tech who's not under me, just works with me. Okay. Um, we have a, a full-time TD, full-time technical director. And for us, a TD is calling shots, calling camera shots, uh, calling flow of the service, calling me on cues, things like that. Um, we have just simply what we call an engineer as much gear as we have here at the main campus. He, again, he has more of a led wall background. He's kind of more on the video display video surface side of things, but he does know some lighting stuff. He's really just a great infrastructure guy. Okay. So if something breaks, if something's not working, he kind of handles that. So we're at four. Uh, we have a full-time streaming guy who handles getting our stream out both to our website along with YouTube and Facebook. Um, and then we have our manager who just kind of knows a little bit of all of it, but better than that knows how to tell us how to get our job done. And it's just kind of over <laughs> us. So it's seven total here at the main campus. Okay. And then, then you said you had 19 remotes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so 19 remote locations. So you're talking about a team of 20 people. Yeah. We, we have, um, I think, I think, we have 34 full-time employed production tech related people within the church staff. Um, okay. That's comprised of, you know, all of us here at the main campus, one person for each remote location. And then we have several techs, you know, um, planners, you know, campus design people, things like that. Okay. So for in the morning for one pastor and his message to get to 20 locations that requires a team of over 35 people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would imagine that the uh, the technical side of Highland Church is going to get a little bit bigger. They're going to be saying, "Like, no, we're going to yeah. need we're going to need a lot of technicians." Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 one of those areas where I think in some ways we're strong, and in some ways we have we have a little further to go. We have about um, we really honestly have one person for audio, one person for video, and one person for lighting who are all just really full-time employed techs to go fix, fix gear when it breaks. Um, we, we buy pretty much all of our gear outright. We really, I know, you know, some churches do long-term rentals, things like that. Mm -hmm. Nothing against those. We really just prefer to have all the assets, you know, in our own property. Yeah. Um, and so we, we do have to invest in fixing it when it breaks because it's not a rental that we can send off. So. Right. Uh, that a lot of churches, uh, a lot of venues in general, they, they discover how, how time consuming and how pricey it is to fix moving lights after, after a year or two. And then they kind of, 
uh, if they have the ability to fix them, then they, they should totally do that. But uh, yeah, they don't always fully understand that. Yeah, and a lot of it's learning. That's not specific get. to churches. That's smaller oh, venues yeah, all around the world. Oh, that's everybody. And really, it's, it's, it's truly learning as you go and learning from your mistakes. We, our first real campus, our, our satellite campuses are a combination of both buildings that we either built or renovated, so physical buildings. Then we're also in some schools or entertainment venues, places like that. Um, and so our first real building building that we built is about three hours from, uh, from here at the main location. And um, the main campus here, when it was built, it was specced for Martin Vipers. And so when they launched the first real campus, they were like, well, they put Vipers at the main campus, so I guess we should just buy some more Vipers for the other place. And then they realized that they were going to have to drive three hours every time it needed a filter changed or a lamp blue. And uh, they, they real quick decided they didn't want to put Vipers everywhere. That happens. That happens for sure. It does. Yeah, just because uh, one, one venue did it doesn't mean we all have to do it, does it? We exactly. can all, uh, Even there's, newer, there's newer, better stuff out there now. Oh yeah. And we do a lot of one-off stuff. So we'll kind of play around with different gear to rent that fits different needs. And I think that's, you know, true for a lot of shows is, you know, just cause he did it one way the first time may not work the same way the second time. <laughs> so now let's get into the remote ones. Like, uh, so the pastor is there at central with you mm-hmm. and then the, all of the, the people at the remote, they're watching a television screen or an led uh, so it's uh or- we have we our two newest campuses are led surface um and then it's normally triple wide projector or drop down projector um, okay some of the some of the school we may be in like a school on their stage in a theater or something like that and a lot of times it's a rear rear throw projector just on a stand um so they have local worship they have a local pastor who um during the week you know like if they have a need they're obviously not reaching out to our main pastor. They're reaching out to their local campus pastor who lives in the area can help them with issues. And that's who they see on the weekend. That's who kind of hosts the whole experience. Then you have worship live full band, full lighting, full production, video, audio. And then um, we have, we have a news package that we play. Um, It's usually anywhere from like a three to five, six, seven, eight minute file made during the week. That's just, you know, current events going on in the church, news, things like that. And it's at that point where your normal attendee doesn't realize it's happening. But during that news package is where they're actually going from local to a streaming service and they're joining in. They're actually watching our news feed and then just right out of that into our pastor, Pastor Chris. That's amazing. So at the remote, their local pastor kind of does a brief summary Mm-hmm. And then the projector screens drop. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they almost seamlessly switch to watching central. Right. And right. then the video wall or the projection screens go back up and then the local pastor continues. Right. Wow. Yeah. So we at a, at a drop down, all of our like campuses that we build physical buildings that we built are all pretty much drop down. And so they have triple wide on the back wall. And then they have a drop down that's a little downstage of the triple triple wide on the back wall. And so um, at the end of the worship set, like you said, you know, the campus pastor, the local pastor would come up, you know, hey, and, you know, I talked to Greg this week and he's doing great. Y'all, you know, y'all keep praying for him. Local things like kind of more family feel things for that location. Um, and then he says, OK, let's, you know, watch some Highlands news. That's what we call our news package. And so the triple wide on the, so if you're imagining it with me, the triple wide on the upstage wall would begin playing the news on PJs one and three, since you would have one, two, three to make it a triple wide. So it would be playing news on one and three as a drop down comes down in the middle on the PJ that's not currently doing anything. Then once we hit the end of news, all of a sudden triple wides go black center PJ that was a drop down lights up and you're live with Grant's Mill, the main campus for our main pastor to give the message at the end of the message. He'll usually, you know, give a benediction, give a, you know, closing prayer of salvation. Um, and he'll usually, you know, we kind of, we don't script it, but we always kind of have similar wording so that everyone mm-hmm. knows kind of where we're going to go back local. He'll do, you know, something along the lines, he'll finish his prayer out with, you know, like amen or something like that triple wide cuts off, flies out, and you've got your local campus pastor back on stage. What are the reviews? I mean, do you get much feedback from the remote attendees? Do they appreciate 
the technology or do they, do you think that they're missing something more from their local pastor? Does, does that make it to you? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, that's, and that's a great question. And it's something we're always walking through our, our number one goal on a weekend is what, you know, the visitor is, you know, seeing, experiencing when they come on site, mm-hmm. um, which it's, it's always going to be mixed reviews. I grew up in like, a, I think it also has to do with background. I grew up in a really small church where, you know, like the pastor was like, you know, my third cousin and like it was nine tenths of my family were all the people in the auditorium. So I personally <laughs> speak from an experience of it being more people that I know that I'm closer to that. I'm not watching somebody on the screen. Uh-huh. Um, I think the simplest way to answer your question though, is the church church of the Highlands specifically can be as small or as personable as you want it to be. And that's sometimes okay. not what, that's sometimes not what people want to hear. They right. want to hear how you're going to fix their opinion of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just put bluntly. That was very, that was very honest. <laughs> but uh, what we do is, um, you know, cause there can be a disconnect just watching pastor Chris on a screen every week. Um, and so we have small groups is what we call them very simply. We just have an internal website where people can register basically hobbies, things they enjoy doing. And um, you know, people can sign up for it, join it. And that's kind of how we create a, a networking system within the church where people can get to know each other. And, you know, as we, as we say, do life together, you know, experience all the different parts of life together with each other. And they are just, uh, they're just experiencing church on the weekend because church on the weekend for us should, you know, be a time of teaching, be a time of ministry, but we don't necessarily believe that's where all of your physical, actual physical connection should come from with people. So that's where we kind of push it on them where during the week, you know, Hey, find people in your community who you can, you know, go play volleyball with or, you know, whatever you enjoy doing. Right. You're using the technology to increase human interaction. Then that can only be a net benefit. Right. You know, if you're using the technology to decrease human interactivity that that's that counters the message right 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 yeah we're really just trying to be in line with that vision and that message that's being given cool i think i think that is the the power of technology and i would imagine and uh correct me if i'm wrong but during the current pandemic and covid times we're kind of reliant on the technology or is your church completely I would imagine it, it's a it's a it's a major option for you right now to be yeah, able to use yeah. that technology to increase activity. Yeah, I totally agree. We um we were lucky that we already had a we have an online campus every weekend. Basically, we just stream. We have an eight o'clock, eight a.m. Central, nine forty-five Central, and eleven thirty Central time service. Um, and so all three of those already streamed live on our website, churchofthehighlands.com. YouTube and Facebook every week. Um, but that's really all it was. It's just a feed. It's like literally program feed coming out of the switcher going to the internet. So there was really no time or energy invested into it besides just routing it to a website. What we've realized is through this is that there's an opportunity to be engaging even in an online format, um, through things like having a like studio, like right now we're playing around with the idea of what if we built a studio and there was a pastor who was like reading a chat screen. So like you could say, you know, good morning. So glad to be with you. And you know, I, as the pastor could be like, Hey, Chris, so glad you're joining us. We're about to hop into worship. So we're playing around with the idea of how can we, you know, use technology to make it even more immersive than it was before. Yeah. At this point, there's nothing stopping you from having attendees in Nigeria. At Correct. Yeah. And it just spreads your message that much farther and wider. Right. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. It's, I'm glad to see that that's being fully embraced. Uh, I know that that there are a lot of people that would a lot more, uh, I don't want to use the term conservative, but old fashioned. They're like, no, that's sure. not what my pastor is supposed to be doing. My pastor is supposed to be there to hand me the, the, the cracker. But sure. if, if I'm in Nigeria and I can't get to Mobile, Alabama, then, then I have to rely on the technology. Right. Right. Wow. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that's being embraced. That's, yeah. uh, that's very uh, uplifting. 
Yeah, as we like to say it, we'll, we'll question the way we do it all day long. We're not going to question what we're going to do. We all have a goal <laughs> that we're trying to reach, but we'll question everything else is up for grabs. The what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve from a staff level is not questionable. It is, this is what we're trying to do. And if you're going to be on this team, this is the goal we're going to all try to get to together. But everything along the way, let's make it the best we can make it. Right on. So you mentioned that you have a, a, a staff and you guys are being paid. And then you also have a handful of volunteers. Right. Is that a good way for people that ask you? Or can you do you often recommend like, well, you should volunteer first. And then if you, if you really enjoy it, then you should pursue it further. Do you think that volunteering is a great way to get into it? Yeah, I, I, I would say yes. I, I mean, that's my story. I, I came to the college, but, you know, being, being a college student here doesn't guarantee you anything. I, there's, and this is no, this is, this is not me trying to uplift myself. This is just story. I, I mean, there's lots of hours I spent picking up trash from where they had done a stage change and there was a ball full of e-tape <laughs> on the stage stuck to the stage you know partially glued to it that I had to scrape off there's lots of hours of that before there's ever you know the paycheck or the benefits of some of it of being yeah. on the staff so I I personally all day long would look for somebody who would do it for nothing um, before I would ever look for somebody who would do it you know for something if that makes sense yeah that does make a lot of sense uh, I think it's a great way to kind of put your feet in the water and see if you if you want to scrape stages for the rest of your life and right. and hang lights and right. and bust your knuckles and and if if that's if you're willing to volunteer for it then and and still hang in there and still decide like yeah this is something I want to do for for the rest of my life then it's a great way to get your feet wet I would imagine yeah and I I think it totally there totally is people out there who kind of enjoy it enjoy like the way technology works in the process but they love to do it on the weekend like they love to be a volunteer who comes in gets to you know run the lighting for the weekend and then go back to their you know day job whereas you know it's not kind of like as you were hinting to it's not built for everybody to be able to do it you know 40 hours a week 24 7 mm -hmm. no i i definitely remember a lot of the people that wanted to come in and they just wanted to run the console or at least take a photo back behind the console and like, what are you doing back here? This yeah. is not quite exactly what we're the goal here, but it, it sounds like you have a very tight team. I, I, I have to admit that I kind of scrolled through your Instagram and it looks like all the photos out at front of house. So you guys having a very good time and uh, you guys seem very close. Yeah, we, um, I mean, it's, I would, I know this is cliche to say, but I'd say it's a family for sure. Even more than like, a, obviously as a church staff we are, but really more as a central um, broadcast team. I mean, just like a lot of a lot of the teams, you know, who go out on tour, go out on shows together, you know, know each other and kind of know what to expect out of each other. In a in a industry that's moving as fast and in a workplace that's moving as fast paced as live entertainment, where we're doing shows, you know, because I mean, at the end of the day, we're doing a show. We're it's it's a church service. Feels a little bit different, but we're still you know doing a show. We've got a start and stop time, and we got to hit all of our cues in between, just like the next guy. So mm -hmm. we uh, we try to make sure that we're we try to make sure that we like each other if we got to trust each other when everything hit the fan. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that you have a lot of friends that didn't take the same path in the air. They, they were pre-COVID, I imagine. They were out on the road. Right. Uh, do they have mixed reviews from what you uh, – what are the differences between them being on the road and you being at a central location? Well, I think – I would say probably the biggest thing that always comes up in conversation is consistency. You know, I know where I'm going every day. Um, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm hourly plus, you know, I'm hourly. So right. not salary. So uh, I have a fairly, fairly good idea of what the end of the month is going to look like. Um, and then <laughs> they take important. care of us. Well, you know, no, um, I don't think, Live entertainment is one of those things where you can make a lot of money if you're good at it. You know, if you're good at it, you got a good work ethic, you're willing to go out and get it. I've got a lot of guys that I know that I either went to school with or just met, you know, through doing live entertainment that they, um, they all may make a lot more than me, but it may be sporadically. They may not know when it's coming. That's really the biggest thing, honestly, that I've noticed uh, because I've also, you know, been hit up with opportunities. You know, it's, I think once you're, once you kind of have your foot in the door, it's all about, you know, making a name for yourself. And then that's when the opportunities come. So, you know, I've had opportunities where people have asked me if I wanted, you know, 
step out of the church for a season and come do this or come do that. And um, it's um, from a tech side, I would say it's, it's very similar. Um, it's kind of a, a, a pace of life mm-hmm. direction Avenue that it's kind of, it more is different than other guys I know. So it sounds like you have stepped out of the church a handful of times already. I do. I, um, I kind of, you know, pick up gigs when I can. It's actually one really, one really big kudos that I'll give to church of the Highlands where I'm employed, um, is they, they understand that as someone in the industry that I'm in, it can actually help me, you know, with my own ability to be able to step out and see different scenarios, you know, like doing, doing the same kind of tour all the time, you're going to get really good at that one kind of tour. But, you know, if you go from being in, you know, 6,000 seat, you know, open top venues to a little 200 seat, you know, theater somewhere, it's like, how, how do you make that look good? It's, it's in the in-between learning how to adjust and be able to make every scenario in scenario you're in, look the best it can look, feel the best it can feel, um, that's when you really can get some crazy good talent out of somebody. And, um, I, uh, I'm really blessed that they allow us to go out and take a little small, I call it a sabbatical. It's not really a sabbatical, but it's a good term. Yeah, yeah. Take a short little sabbatical to go do a show somewhere. I'll go off for a little, like little one week increments, just take vacation, um, go hop on a bus and ride somewhere, you know, fly out somewhere and do a show for somebody. So, but as much as anything else, it's, I, I would say, A, it's a change of pace for me. Gets me out of the house, gets me out of where I'm, what I'm used to, puts me in a non-comfort zone, both physically. And then I would say B, professionally in what we do, makes me have to think differently, use console different, use consoles differently, problem solve differently. So yeah, I kind of dip my foot in the water when I can. Do you think you bring fresh insights back to Central when you go out and about? Totally. I've, I've literally come back. I've literally gotten off a plane, driven to my desk, and <laughs> made a change because I realized I was doing something a really stupid way that I tried to do at a show somewhere, and it burned me bad. And I uh-huh. got back to Birmingham, got off my flight, and was like, nope, not doing that again. No, I would imagine that's, that's super refreshing to come back, you guys. I was beating my head against a wall about this problem and I was in a whole new setting. I talked to another guy about something completely unrelated and I solved my problem because I wasn't thinking about it. And here's the solution. People are like Griffin, that's great. That's great. How did you, that yeah. must be, that must be a good yeah, feeling. It's like, man, I tell you what, I was on the flight. It was a red eye flight and I just, it just came to me in a vision. It's like, no, really? I got burned on this show. I just got back from. And so uh, <laughs> now we're going to make this change. So, but yeah, I would say definitely it helps. So when you, let's say eventually, hypothetically, eventually you outgrow Central, would you go, uh, would you consider doing like a rock tour? Is that something that's something that interests you? Yeah, totally. I, uh, like I said, I, I kind of have the pleasure of living vicariously through others. So I've got lots of buddies who are out on shows. So you know, um, I'm in Birmingham, which is kind of in between Nashville and Atlanta. So a lot of times, a lot of times more often than not, Atlanta is basically about two hours one way. Nashville is about two and a half the other way. So kind of as buddies, you know, come come through either direction, I'll usually go grab them, do a load in with them for whatever show they're on and, you know, hang out with them at front of house. And uh, it's always been a rock, but, you know, more in general, just touring, touring industry it's always an itch that I want to scratch. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity, the right time. Right now is not the right time. You're in a very good place to weather the storm. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give it a little while and then we'll try it out. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we kind of scratched uh, the surface of this one a little bit, but kind of fill me in on how COVID and this whole isolation period has affected your job. Let's, let's start with you in particular and then you and church second. How has it affected your life currently, the, the isolation period? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there was a lot of not knowing at the beginning, which I think is true for everyone. Yeah. Um, we, I can remember the weekend when it happened, and we have a group text between all of us who basically pull off services at the main campus. And my boss sent a text and was like, hey, guys, you know, not really sure what Sunday looks like this week. Um, and so that kind of first weekend that things really hit, um, we had service. It was full-time staff only. No one else allowed in the room. 
um, shot, shot worship with an empty audience, no one in the room, which felt really odd. She um, went from 50,000 to zero in a week. Yeah. In a weekend. Damn. Um, that's yeah. a big, that's, that's big. Yeah, it is big. Um, and it, and it, 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 it hurt. I mean, it didn't hurt even like from necessarily what I do per se, but it just like you, you work off of people's energy. Like, Half of a live show is, you know, the crowd going wild when the countdown hits zero and it's time to hit that first rock song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's even just living off of that kind of adrenaline rush of having people in a room. Um, it changed big time. Um, so originally, um, I think no one was really sure what long term was going to look like with COVID. So um, we took about three weeks um, where we did no in-person audience um, live on Sunday. Okay. Um, after that period, we reevaluated kind of as, you know, health officials in the U.S. were reevaluating what it looked like. And we decided to move to a fully office closed scenario. So it was at, up until that point, staff, we were still officing. Like I was at my desk every day, you know, working, things like that. But at that point, um, we closed offices. It was a work from home. And um, I'm really one of the few people who saw the church building for weeks, you know, going on a month, month and a half, because we were coming up on Sunday to, you know, still have a Sunday service with no audience. Um, So to answer that question, we were having a, uh, we were having our normal crew, we run a five per, a five camera, excuse me, four camera, we have a four camera set up on a Sunday, a jib uh, and three sticks, and then we have a dolly during worship. Um, And so we were still running that full crew, full crew in the booth, uh, worship team, pastor, um, with no one else in the room. So that was the long term for about eight weeks. That's what we were doing. Um, we, about a month, month and a half ago, um, we opened up at 20% capacity um, for about two weekends, and Alabama ended up having another spike. Um, we, we honestly have been very luck- lucky that there haven't been very many reported cases, like both in the congregation and the church family, and then also in the staff. So it was really more of a, the environment around us, Alabama in general was spiking. Okay. Um, So we ended up going back online only. Uh, We reclosed the building, kind of give it that, you know, two week, two week period that the CDC was talking about to kind of let, you know, the building clear out, let people clear out, kind of go back home, Um, still coming up to do weekend recordings um, and then now we are three weeks, no, four weeks into um, being reopened. So we originally, we were at 20% capacity. You had to reserve a ticket. I mean, there's no cost or anything. It's church. Right. That'd, be, that'd be kind of wrong to charge for it. But right. we, um, we had a RSVP system just so we knew when we were at 20%. But now there's no RSVP system. What we learned through that first time was even though we were capping our rooms at 20%, we were never hitting 20%. Um, I think for whatever reason, an RSVP system was messing people up. I don't, I don't know if it was like the process of having to reserve it or like the fear that, oh my gosh, they're having to do reservations. So they probably are at, you know, the max amount of people they can have. I don't know what necessarily, I never really, I was never in any of the conversations where they got the feedback of why that discouraged people from coming, but there was a very noticeable discouragement in an RSVP system, which is interesting. So we have reopened no RSVP, no RSVP system. um, But we do cap the room at about 30% right now. Okay. So 30% at central and I would imagine something similar at the remotes. Similar. We've, uh, we've closed every other row and we ask three chairs, all of our, um, all of our locations use the same chair. So they measured it and it's basically about three seats and six feet. Okay. So it's every other row closed and it's three chairs in between you and the next household, whether that's you, you and a spouse, you and a friend. Um, okay. We aren't, we aren't policing people on like who you are. How do you know the person right. sitting with you? <laughs> that would like, be difficult. Right. It's just like if you showed up in the same car with somebody, sit three three chairs away from the people beside you. Got it. Um, and that's kind of how we're gauging when a room is full right now. We're not okay. like, you know, Home Depot, when you went and got nails for a while, we're counting how many people were walking in the door. We aren't required to do that as a church. We're just kind of maintaining that every other row closed three feet okay. apart. So if you don't have somewhere to sit, you know, we have overflow options. We have like secondary rooms that are just playing a, like a wide shot of the stage. 
Um, or, you know, you can wait for the next service time. Okay. Are you monitoring your online attendance as well? Yeah, we are. We have it. We can monitor both our website, our internal player, um, as well as Facebook and YouTube, which Facebook and YouTube will lie to you. I mean, they won't lie to you, but like their viewership categorizes right. someone viewing way differently. I yeah. think YouTube, it's if somebody watches for like two to three minutes and then Facebook is like if the video was played for more than 20 seconds, like they're so far different. Right. Using those as averages or guesstimations. We're not really taking that as hard facts because it could have been somebody who left Facebook running and it went to the next suggested video. Right. Even if you scroll through it, that that's uh, included as a view, I would imagine. It can be. Yeah, it yeah. can be. And I would imagine your number, your online numbers have spiked. Since, since uh, all this? actually we have never our biggest online okay so excluding excluding the last three weeks kind of when we reopened again our biggest sunday was the first sunday we were online just because no one could go to church Got after it. that it trended down week after week okay um and we kind of kind of like i was talking about, i touched on it earlier the idea of what can we do to make online viewership, more immersive with technology, a studio, things like that. Those conversations are happening because ever, ever since the first week, viewership went down. So there is a disconnect somewhere between, you know, telling the message that we want to tell and online viewership. Uh, I don't think that is unique to the church. I think that's happening a lot. I, I saw the same thing happening in the EDM and rock and roll world where people will yeah. go on, they'll do their... Uh, their online presentation and their their live streaming and people are very excited the very first time and then they're like yeah that's not what I was hoping for yep it's not the same it's not it's wonderful it's a it's a great option and I'm so thankful that we have it totally but it's not it's the not goal the of entertainment it, the goal is to get close enough to hug people and right and and hear the speakers and the, the rumble yeah. in your stomach and the, the, the cheer of everybody sitting in the same room together. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I would imagine we share the sentiment that we're so thankful for the technology and it's great as a, as an inferior option. Yeah. I, yeah. I will go say, I'll go to say it is, it's a great option, but it is inferior to live performance. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. We, um, it, it was real weird having a room that caps out at 3000 people be dead silent. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't feel right. It affects us as technicians. And as I would imagine your pastor to, to do a huge sermon or crack a joke or do a song to, to, to silence it. He it was, hurt. I, when we when we reopened three weeks ago his first sermon he only got to like the second point because he was just telling jokes because he was so great to hear laughter again <laughs> <laughs> he, he said it about halfway through the sermon he was like it was our eight o'clock service and um you know from a in, in a professional setting you know a lot of people will agree that like your first show your first show time your first stop on a tour it's kind of like your your glorified like dress rehearsal to make sure everything was really good to go and so that's kind of our eight o'clock a lot of times we're like making sure everything really is good to go and uh, it was our 8 a.m service they told everybody he was like i'm sorry i won't be able to do this many jokes in the next service i've just enjoyed hearing the laughter <laughs> oh man that's gotta be so enriching for him to go that long without that feedback yeah and uh, you being out of front of house i would imagine you have to take your five percent of the laughter and go and like no i missed this just as much oh totally totally because i mean you know what we do we're feeding off we're feeding off the audience just as much as you know your rock band your edm you know musician whoever on stage you're uh, you're feeding just as much off of that as a technician as a designer yeah the the amount of facebook likes and instagram hearts just doesn't doesn't fill that void does it no it doesn't wish it did well actually i don't wish it did cuz then nobody would come back yeah um, no there's a part of me there's a part of me that's okay that it doesn't 100% transfer. And our pastor, Pastor Chris, has actually said this. There's nothing like being in the room. 
um, for us, you know, it's from a worship standpoint, it's being able to lead people in worship, but even outside of the church, you know, from a concert setting, being able to lead people through an experience through a set list. Um, there's a part of you that doesn't, you want it to, because you want to, you want to feel how you used to felt, but then there's a part of you that never wants it to be exactly the same because then you wouldn't need the first one. Uh, yeah. And I go back to the same default. Like it, it's great. I love Facebook likes or I like Facebook likes. I don't, I love live interaction though. I yeah. love, I love people. I love hanging out with people. I love sitting in a room. <laughs> I definitely love being able to call house lights go and people just lose their freaking minds. Lose that, it. Lose it. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for all of us uh, with all the messages that we have to, to put off into the world to get back to that sooner than later. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like you guys are getting pretty close. 30% is that's something I've uh, there's, I'm in Las Vegas right now and there's still 0% shows. So uh, 30% that's, uh, that's more than nothing. It's more than nothing. Uh, We, um, we really have no pressure to change what we're doing right now. I mean, I wish, part of me wishes there was a plan because if there's a plan, you know, you know when you're going to be more back to normal, but um, what is normal now and um, who knows when it'll be. So we're just kind of taking a day at a time, taking a week at a time and doing our best to both plan for the long term of, you know, six months down the road, do we still need to be really intentional with online viewership because people are still not going to be as comfortable coming back into a room, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, how can we make sure that we're not lacking in the void of letting rigs go down, letting gear go down, um, you know, letting stuff go past its maintenance date, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's, we're having to try to find and strike a healthy balance between making sure we're physically ready to go, you know, and virtually, so to speak, we're still engaging. Cool. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, We are almost out of time, but uh, one of the questions I definitely wanted to close with, do you have, or are you constantly setting goals for your lighting career or are you just going with the flow? And I'll, I'll, I'll try and be as specific as possible. Like, do you have future goals in the lighting industry that you're hoping to achieve in the next five, 10 years? Yeah. Um, the way I approach it is, is I have, um, I'm open to any opportunity. I'll take, you know, any opportunity I can get, which is one of the biggest things I could say to anybody (laughs) listening is take any opportunity. Even if you were the LD on a show last week and this week they need somebody to ride trusts and, you know, hang lights, please say yes. Just, just say yes. Take the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, any experience is good experience, but enough on that. Um, I do have like a professional, I have like a life bucket list, but I have like you know, a professional industry-based bucket list um, that is, you know, specific down to the event. Um, like we wow. have, uh, yeah, we have a student event, um, just a quick example that's relevant to the church. We have a, um, we have a student event every year. So our, our student ministry meets once a month, you know, a lot of youth groups, like I grew up in a youth group that would meet on Sunday night after big church, our youth group meets once a month. Um, it's called motion and it's actually kind of like passion with passion city church in Atlanta. Passion has gotten to a point where even from a professional level, people know the name just based off the event. And so we actually have an event similar motion. It's based out of motion students, which is our student ministry, um, but so we have motion conference, which usually pretty much maxes out the BJCC, which is the arena here in Birmingham every year, about 16,000 students. Wow. Three day conference um, starts on a Thursday night, runs all day Friday and then ends Saturday in the afternoon. Um, and I, from a, I think you got to be okay with, this is a slight tangent and I'll make it fast, but you got to be okay with, not being the guy all the time and being willing to learn anytime, no matter what, okay. in my opinion. Yep. I'm the LD of the church, but I haven't LD'd our student event in the arena yet. Um, I've been under some really great people and I get to help with it every year, but I haven't LD'd it. I, I will say my experience, I don't think is at the level where it would be what it would be the product that they want it to be. Right. And sometimes you got to be okay with that. But yep. if you're not willing to do anything about it, you will never be the guy for it. 
So every year I'm just as open as I can to learn anything I can, which Daniel Cannell, Stephen Kramer, um, Tony Franson are all people that we've had in over the years to help pull off this event. And those are guys that I've just drank out of the fire hydrant for a week, just trying to, you know, pick their brain with as many questions as I can come up with, because if I want to be the guy, I'm going to find out how that guy's doing it, you know? Um, so that's, that's like a, just a quick example of, you know, like super specific things, but I've got stuff that specific, like events that I want to do. Like I will go on tour. I want to go on tour. I don't know what the tour is. It might be rock and roll or it might be, you know, sister Mary and her three younger sisters singing choir mm-hmm. opera. I don't know what it is, but you know, I'll do something. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important because as long as you have, you know, some of them can be broad, but make some bucket list stuff specific and it'll push you to work for it. Cause like, you read it on the sheet of paper and you're like, man, I still haven't done that yet. Like, okay, well, what can I do this week to, you know, learn how to get there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So No, that's great. That's really, uh, it's really good to hear that uh, people are still setting goals like that and they still are willing to, I don't know if it's like a dream board that you have or it's just uh, did you just write them out? Do you, but you focus on them, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, I do a lot of stuff, you know, being a tech person, I do a lot of stuff virtually. So it's a one note that I have and I see it and it's updated. It's on all my devices where as soon as I do one, I'm like bloop done. But um, yeah. And I even have them on like, you know, the tech side of stuff. Like we have green hippos here. I have green hippo media servers here at the church. Um, and so like I wanted to learn another media server besides green hippo, you know, so uh, uh, Resolume, which is, you know, PC based arena software, mm-hmm. We, um, I, I picked it up. One of the guys, the engineer position that I was talking about earlier, he's a, he's a Resolume freak. You ask him to do it in Resolume and he'll figure it out in about 10 minutes in a Red Bull. And, uh, <laughs> so I just sat down with him one day and I was like, Hey, teach me Resolume. Like I know hippo, I understand how they all talk, but like teach me the things I need to know about Resolume. And, um, then we took, I, I run Grand MA, so I took my Grand MA knowledge and he took his Resolume knowledge and we built a profile for the two so that I can run the LED wall because there's really not profiles out there for um, Resolume from an MA platform. So just like little things like that, like how can you set goals? How can you learn something new? Ah, a little cross knowledge there. That's, uh, that's yeah. a time well spent. Yeah. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you, you better get out of that room. <laughs> that's good advice. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate our time together. I uh, I have new insight into the, the logistics that you're going through. That it's really good to hear that there are thirty percent shows happening again. That makes me new, newly optimistic. I, you've refreshed my my optimism, and I hate to say to be so trite, but it's like the the light is starting to open the door. The light is opening the door. There's a crack. Yeah. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think as long as we don't give up on that that crack of light, we're going to be all right. Right on. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Griffin. Yeah, thanks for having me.